On Whatever Happened to Vic Diaz, we take a cinematic excursion through the work of groundbreaking Filipino thespian Vic Diaz. On this episode, we're looking at Sidney J. Fury's 1978 Vietnam War drama, The Boys in Company C, starring Stan Shaw, Andrew Stevens, James Canning, Craig Wasson, and, of course, Vic Diaz as Colonel Train. Whatever happened to Vic Diaz? I'm Liam O'Donnell, and with me, as always, is Private Joker Doug Tilly. What's going on, Doug? Not a whole lot, Liam. I'm so glad to be here uh, talking about a Vic Diaz movie with reasonable production values. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we knew that that the we knew that this podcast wasn't going to be all exploitation all the time. Sure, but it has been a lot of that, and that is a mixed bag. Even some of the worst movies we've covered have been really fun to watch and talk about, but some of the movies we've covered have been a real slog. I didn't know what to expect with this movie going into it, and, uh, you know, I gotta say, at least on the production level, I was very pleasantly surprised, Doug. Yeah, me too. Though I have have heard of this movie, but I have to admit, I don't think people talk about this movie very often at this point, and I think I know the reason for that, and I think it actually will play into what we're going to talk about before our first break today, uh, which is Vietnam movies. And this is one of the first major movies that specifically take place, you know, during Vietnam. But it also happens to have come out in 1978, uh, right before Apocalypse Now, which, you know, in terms of the the consciousness of the American public, I think people think of Apocalypse Now a lot more than they think of The Boys and Company C. I mean, I think both of these movies are interesting because we're really not that far from the moment right which of course people act like that's impossible we do occasionally make movies very close to the events that happened but um not all of them are well regarded because sometimes there's a feeling that there's not enough distance from the thing to make a movie about it um i i don't know about that per se but i will say that uh there is it's not a genre right but there it's such a large phenomenon the vietnam movie mm-hmm. um and there are so many movies within that uh, arena that maybe loom large it is hard to think of this movie as standing in the ring quote unquote with apocalypse now or platoon or uh born on the 4th of july or whatever you know whatever movie people want to lift up uh uh that related to vietnam I but mean, the the movie that it almost has to be compared to is full metal jacket yes simply because it has the same sort of structure and yes. features arlie ermine basically playing the same character yeah. Oh, well, and I, I will say I now realize the caricature he's playing in Full Metal Jacket because uh, in this movie, his character is a human being. That's true. That unlike true. in Full Metal Jacket, where he is simply a voice to yell at people, though he is awesome in it. Uh, this this character is given a little bit more of a dimension. And you, and you believe like this could be a real person with yeah. real motivations. Right. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. the, the other character, that's, I don't you know, that's just a representation of anxieties. Um, but that brings me to, like you said, the, the how we want to start this thing, we're diving into a movie that maybe is not the most famous 
Vietnam movie, but I think it's very representative of films that were made about Vietnam. Uh, and I, I just wanted to get a vibe from you, Doug. I, I think in the past we've talked a little bit about war movies, but I think Vietnam movies are very different, um, often in tone as well as structure from you know World War One, World War Two, whatever those sorts of more classic films. Doug, how do you feel about the Vietnam movie, or as I like to call them, the myths that made the boomers? <laughs> I do find Vietnam movies very interesting because as opposed to movies about World War One, uh, sorry, World War Two in particular, which tend to not necessarily go into as many morally gray areas, at least at, at early World War Two movies didn't, that they're because of the uh, confusion in the American public and the fact that there was a lot of distrust with the government in regards to that war and particularly there's a lot of controversy regarding people who came back from that war and a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder and or shell shock and and the fact that there was a lot of 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 dissent at home while it was happening it means that the movies about vietnam tend to be a lot more a diverse uh at, at least at the point when they were first being made uh and b they tend to really plumb a lot of dark areas and sometimes a little too dark, but I mean, certainly realistically dark in a lot of the cases. You know, we talked about Death Dream on a different podcast, not one of ours, but on uh, on Julia Marchesi's podcast, which was a movie that was made about Vietnam while it was happening. But there's clearly, even at that moment in 1973, I think when they were making that, there was an awareness that people were coming home and they were all fucked up. Yeah. And, and you know, in a way that, you know, and we even talked on that show about how, I mean, certainly lots of people came back from World War II very fucked up as well. And them integrating back into society probably changed American and Canadian and worldwide society in ways that we don't actually really, we haven't really investigated as much as we probably should have. But with Vietnam, it was a lot more on the surface and in your face. So the, the kind of psychological complexities of it, and also the fact that the U.S., and I don't want to just pin it on the U.S., this was, uh, there's a lot of countries involved with the, the kind of disgraceful behavior in Vietnam, but the U.S. lost that war. And I think that there is, there's been echoes and ripples of that in the United States, in particular society ever since. And uh, I mean, we see that in the movies that were made about it too, even like the exploitation-ish movies, like, you know, uh, not First Blood necessarily, but certainly Rambo First Blood Part Two and other movies of their ilk in the 80s, which, which feel like responses to embarrassment to a certain extent or attempts right. to relitigate the war or win it after the fact. Yeah. It's just really strange. It's a real odd um type of war movie because it's something that from beforehand would seem almost unthinkable that that there would be a a a a foreign land featuring a lot of young people interacting together having to be turned into monsters and then have to come back and try to be normal that's why even before this movie came out most of the vietnam movies weren't vietnam movies they were here's someone who came back from vietnam and they're messed up like something like taxi driver yeah, though yeah. there's been some uh some debate whether Travis Bickle actually ever went to Vietnam. That's well. That's I think that's actually a fair. But but it is still um, even if he didn't go, the idea of Vietnam is still present in the in Taxi Driver in an Absolutely. interesting way. Let, let's say it's haunted by Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, I I, I want to agree with everything you said. I I do think too. Um, the the other major difference that we don't talk about enough is how complicated that political moment was. Um, mm-hmm. There was a rise of a 
of a left of a of a really strong left in the U.S. that hadn't really been present since the labor movement, right? Uh, post the labor movement, the left had become rather anemic in this country. In fact, uh, there was almost no left uh, uh, or pacifist opposition to World War II. There was some, but it was hard to uh, pull on the strings of the left when the other people uh, objecting to the war were all fucking Hitler fanatics who yeah, wanted to exactly, right? be Nazis. So, you know, you couldn't exactly make common cause with fucking fascists. So, you know, Vietnam, it represented a moment, A, this was uh, though Korea, though the Korean War was our first really strong anti-communist thing, sure, sure. I think uh, I think because of where the country was at, it didn't um, it didn't uh, uh, galvanize the anti-war movement quite as much. But with Vietnam, you already had a very strong uh, uh, left uh, bubbling around uh, racial justice. Then you have this peace movement at the same time, and those two causes pushed a lot of people into this left movement. Now, unfortunately, because everything was still rooted in so much anti-communism, I think a lot of that left didn't know where to go, really. They just became like uh, Democrats who were actually willing to like protest, you know? Uh, but as far as developing a politics after that, it didn't happen very strongly. And plus, uh, uh, unlike some of the other movements, they were, subje- they were uh, subjected to some of the most intense scrutiny and counter- uh, 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 work uh, that the government has ever done in the like just insane amounts of infiltration and and uh, you know spy work basically yeah, on what absolutely. we're fucking uh, uh, some of them were teenagers at co- you know freshmen in college are being treated like they were terrorists or something so all that's going on I think that fuels some of Vietnam plus I mean the simple fact of the matter that we know now is that the perception that soldiers had who went to Vietnam that it was chaos and that it didn't make any sense and that no no one knew what the fuck they were doing. We've since found out is not just true. It's actually often worse than people yeah. think it is mm-hmm. that from mm-hmm. top to bottom. I mean, the classic example, of course, is Henry Kissinger, right? Who has no combat experience of any kind, who's constantly changing the orders of all the generals, just blowing shit up left and right, all based on hunches, which he had no intelligence for. The man just liked blowing shit up and he was constantly redirecting air uh, bombing campaigns from the people on the ground who were who, who should have been maybe called the shots. Although, again, I don't know that anyone knew how to fight this stupid half-assed war uh that where, where we we didn't even have the the willingness to admit we were in a fucking war so yeah um yeah, yeah. you know it, it, i think those movies all kind of represent that uh that being said i i do have a bit of a complicated relationship with these movies sure and it's not <clears throat> i should like them more right than other war movies um because they aren't propaganda right like or at least very rarely most vietnam movies that i've seen tend to be from people who feel bad right they're dealing with trauma they're dealing with anxiety sometimes they're designed to like assuage people's anxieties about the war very rarely most of the time they're like everything sucked and it was chaos and now we're all broken um <laughs> i mean i i agree with you to a very great extent but i I'm constantly surprised by how many people can view a thing that is meant to be a deterrent and to treat that thing as motivation. Like people use Full Metal Jacket as a reason for joining the army, that they want to be in that training. And it's just like, like the whole point of that, and it's clearly stated, like obvious, is that 
it is destroying people's humanity. It is dehumanizing them to the point where someone would rather kill themselves and others than to, you know, to 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 com- continue through it. But I mean, people, you, you see people quoting that in basic training. You see people using that as like, I want to be like that. And so I just, I, I worry about, and you know, that we, we talked about this in the uh, Julia's podcast as well, but just the idea that, that you can't make an anti-war movie because it's hard not to make it look, if not glamorous, then at least exciting. Uh, and I think about that as well with, you know, something like Apocalypse Now, which is such a beautiful movie yes. in its chaos, right? But it's like, it is still hell, right? That's a movie which portrays Vietnam as hell. And right. people still, I think some people still took the wrong message away from it. I, I, I will see when we talk about this movie. I will, a little bit of a spoiler on this point. I don't know that this movie could be argued as uh, inspiring a lot of people. There are, unlike other movies, every time there's a firefight in this movie, everyone looks stupid. And yeah. I wonder if that isn't helpful as a way to make this movie and maybe the the point of the film. Though I will say that the my bias here, Doug, is that the movies that portray Vietnam as chaos, as unmanageable chaos, or as uh, simply a place where no one knows what they're doing and it's all fucking incompetence, whatever. Uh, I worry because inevitably every Vietnam movie is almost entirely uninterested in the Vietnamese people and their humanity. They just that's don't certainly fucking... the case in the movie that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, today. they uh, in most of these movies they don't fucking exist, and even if they do, they exist only in their relationship to the individual Americans in the film. Sure. Uh, What's more, they almost all these films they almost never have an actual political opinion because it's such a spicy potato. They just want to fucking focus on the experience of the soldiers, but it's like this didn't happen in a vacuum, right? And like while yes, all the people who made these decisions were incompetent, oftentimes they were still making actual decisions for actual reasons, which and I have yet to see a movie that points this out, were just not real. Right. Like the the theory that was forcing this thing is that if we let Vietnam turn communist, then they're going to team up with China and it's going to be, you know, the, the 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 superpower team up of the century in Asia. Only these were two countries that hated each other. Yeah. You know, if we had invaded Vietnam, China probably would have invaded Vietnam and taken over their communist country. So like this idea that we had to fucking go in there to stop the Chinese is offensive as hell. It's like so fucked. It's entirely fucked. It's so strange to think, you know, all wars are based on ideology to a certain extent. Right. And it's right. about trying to um, trying to pump the public with that ideology yes. so they can get on board with it. But I mean, we've seen similar fucked up ideologies that don't ring true in recent wars, right? Like right. the war in yes. Afghanistan, right? But it's funny that people were, like, they seem less concerned post-Vietnam whether that ideology necessarily is true or not. But you're exactly right. If you're built on a, uh, built either on something that is is just a concept, which is we hate communism, uh, we need to battle it on all fronts, and then talk about the specifics of it, they just don't make any sense in the Vietnam War. No. Which again, the, that nonsensical attitude I feel like then that, you know, a lot of filmmakers use that as they can reflect that in the material that they're doing. So it, it could just be a lot of dreamlike and um, and wild kind of imagery and things like that, which is what we have in, v- in Apocalypse Now, but not in this movie. This no. movie is played out pretty straight in terms yes. of, of how it's showing uh, the events that take well, place. Well, but I do think we're, the, 
you're saying that, Doug, but it's also because you're comparing it to Apocalypse Now. Well, that's it, right? I think or this another is probably, movie that came later, right? Well, I think this is probably the most nonsensical war movie up to this point because it's representing this feeling that Vietnam didn't make any sense. I'm sure when this came out, there were people who watched it who were like, what the fuck is this? Because there was still an assumption in large parts of the populace that this is not what the military is about, right? And And you see that, right? When the movie starts, the basic training is so intense and it seems to be so focused about building a unit and helping them learn to survive and 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 all the ideology of the military it actually doesn't criticize that ideology the ideology that runs a military unit it actually shows you when they get to vietnam how the war doesn't reflect anything they learned in fucking basic training right like you can't even trust your commander not to just kill you on a whim that's true that's you know right. so like the, the 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 movie to a certain extent and very effectively i think as a film i don't criticize this at all it makes sense you know show us the most familiar thing the basic training right the the thing that makes sense and then show us later how all of that highlights the utter insanity that was the war itself ideologically though it still functions as a defense of the military the movie is not interested yes. in criticizing the military in any way shape or form well uh, certainly other certainly than not, how it not, functions not, in vietnam i mean it they are criticizing the military higher ups but not certainly not sure. the soldiers on the ground but it, well right. i guess it's not it's what it's not criticizing is the uh, what what it reminds me of is uh, uh, uh let's compare it to a film about Christianity in which we all accept that the ideology of Christianity is actually pretty good. And what sucks about the church is that they don't represent it, you know, sure. whereas you could make a movie that's like the basic training is also bad. You, they did right, full metal jacket, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not that it, th that the basic training falls apart when it gets to Vietnam, you know, it's not the, the, the problem isn't Vietnam itself alone, but also the military is also bad. You know, like if this was a logical justified war, that wouldn't suddenly make uh, turning a bunch of uh, drafted young people into killing machines totally morally non-ambiguous, right? Like, there's still a problem, I think, at heart here that this movie doesn't address, but I don't know that it needs to because it's telling a different story, and the way that it tells that story I think was pretty effective, but we'll get into that in a little bit, Doug. Yeah, we'll get into it a little bit. I do want to mention that the movie that I thought of most while watching this isn't a Vietnam movie at all, though it's a movie that does comment on Vietnam, and that is Robert Altman's MASH, which, which this movie, I think, is actually intentionally trying to ape for a lot yes. of its running time, even to the point where instead of having football at the core of it, which for some reason Robert Altman Smash does, uh, this movie focuses strangely in a lot of ways on soccer for a lot of the last act in particular, uh, but just using like the interactions and uh, between these characters, uh, this kind of large group of characters to show with kind of the madness uh, that is what's going on all around them. And I do think that my biggest takeaway from this movie and maybe probably his bravest decision, though, um, in retrospect, it doesn't seem so brave because there's been so many Vietnam movies since then. But just to show basically almost every bit of leadership as being, if not incompetent, then just so confused that they're just as likely to kill their own people as as the quote unquote enemy. Well, and that they don't know what they're doing, right? Like the captain being so focused on body counts, body counts as right, if body exactly. counts even matter and, and, and not being concerned with what might actually win something you know like it's yeah well we'll get into all that we're going to take a quick break y'all when we come back we're going to dive into uh what might be a forgotten a vietnam movie the boys of company c we'll be right back there are those recruits i see the boys in company c a bunch of kids just out of school 
fresh off the streets. They're going to learn what life is all about. Only some of them won't live long enough to find out. Maybe you love me? Yeah, I love you. I love everybody. Very good. I loved you too. Maybe one day we got married. I want you to do a special job on Jesus for me there, huh? Very nice. Very cute. Sexy. The object of the exercise is to turn boys into men and men into Marines. Lots of luck. In 1967, five young men undergo boot camp training before being shipped out to Vietnam. Once they get there, the experience proves worse than they could have imagined. It's 1978's The Boys of Company C, directed by Sidney J. Fury, a name that I should have known. Um, I was unaware of this person, even though... uh, in addition to this movie, he uh, directed 1982's The Entity, a movie that is very upsetting, like one of the mm-hmm. more upsetting horror Absolutely. movies, I think, of the 80s. Uh, he also um, started the Iron Eagle action film series uh, uh, in 1986, a, a, a series that I only know from the covers, right? I've never watched an <laughs> Iron Eagle. But on the other hand, if you ask me, like, what are some... Uh, action movies of the 80s that's on the list like i they made those movies i think for a little while right like i think yeah, there's, I think there's maybe of four of them maybe yeah 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 and I, I remember seeing those those uh those covers for a while so he you know he's had quite a career it's weird that uh doing all these things that i've heard of that i know about um i was not really familiar with him as a i don't know if you want to say auteur i think some people consider him that but i hadn't thought of him that way and this movie before we talked about doing it because of Vic Diaz, I never think of it, right? Like, it's not on my list of, like, oh, you know, war movies worth checking out. It had never occurred to me to even see this. Uh, it was written by him and co-written with uh, Rick. Liam, Liam yeah. do you know what other movie he directed? What? <laughs> Superman 4. Oh, God. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you commit a crime like Superman 4, and I'm just – I'm never going to come back to you. He did go to director's jail. I mean, he made lots of movies after that. But, sure. yeah, I think that one basically ended his uh, – you know, another movie he directed was the the movie Ladybugs, the uh, uh, Rodney Dangerfield movie. Oh, okay. Where Jonathan sure. Brandis dresses a girl to play yeah. on the – yeah. That, that, yeah. There you go. At the time, that movie didn't bum me out. Um, uh, he co-wrote this movie with Rick, Nat- Rick Natkin, who uh, was the writer of the 1980s The Night of the Juggler, uh, Football Company Necessary Roughness from 91, and also 91's The Taking of Beverly Hills. All three movies I'm familiar with, especially Night of the Juggler's awesome. So that's, uh, quite, a, that's quite a credit. The, the Taking of Beverly Hills was actually directed by uh, Sidney Fury as well. Oh, okay. All right. So again, mm. so weird that I did not know this name at all. But you know, let, don't let my ignorance affect your viewing of. <laughs> uh, starring uh, Stan Shaw in quite, uh, I think, the standout performance of the movie. Oh yeah. Uh, also, Andrew Stevens, James Canning, Michael Lembeck, Craig Wasson uh, might be better known as the guy who's definitely not Bill Maher, but you thought was Bill Maher. Uh, <laughs> Scott Highlands, Noble Willingham, uh, Arlie Ermy. Oh, Lee Ermy. I'm sorry about that. And then, oh. of course. Um, because I, I said it like I don't know who he is. I was like, oh, wait, no, that's the guy. Fucking idiot. Uh, and then, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, then uh, uh, and then, of course, Vic Diaz is in this. And, and we'll talk a little bit about his role, which is not big, but 
is so memorable. It's it's sort of a classic thing, right? Like we always talk about Vic Diaz, not the size of his roles, but in how memorable he is in the roles. And I sure. think this is this is quite a memorable one. Um, I think there's going to be a lot to talk about here, Doug. But I just want to open up with just a general. What did you think of this movie? I know you hadn't seen it before, and neither had I. Uh, and I'm wondering how you felt, uh, just as a as a lover of film, <laughs> as a lover of film, as a lover of uh, film. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I, that's a weird word to use, I know, with, with a lot of Vietnam movies. Right. But right. this is a movie that, to a certain extent, is about the camaraderie amongst these men, which is a, also a little strange because I have to say, outside of Stan Shaw and Craig Wasson's character and maybe Michael Lembeck's Vinnie Fazio, I don't really know which character is which, you know? I know, like, I know that there's broad strokes. There's the guy who likes to write, who gets shot, and then he has an unfortunate end. Uh, he's kind of like the narrator of the entire movie. And then we have other characters that kind of that are part of the group that don't really distinguish themselves quite as much. And maybe it's just because Stan Shaw is such he's so good in this that he's like he becomes de facto the main character. I mean, he's supposed to be anyway, but he really kind of dominates every scene that he's in. It's such a strong character in a lot of different ways. But no, I liked it overall. It does have a very similar structure to Full Metal Jacket. It has a, you know, the first 40 minutes or so. It's all basic training, and we get to see these characters really broken down and then turned into, you know, soldiers, uh, even though they they manage to maintain their ideologies individually a little bit more than uh, maybe the characters in Full Metal Jacket were able to. Um, and I do think that there is more of an attempt to kind of reinforce characters' humanity in this, for better or for worse even. Than in Full Metal Jacket. And I, I don't mean to continuously compare it, but this movie invites comparison, particularly with Arlie Ermey. And you mentioned it, and you were exactly right to in our opening segment. Arlie Ermey plays a very similar character in this to what he does in Full Metal Jacket, except he is shown to have humanity. He is shown to be someone who is, at its core, he realizes that he is sending soldiers into a meat grinder. And the reason he is as, is, as intense as he is is because it's the only way he knows how to at least prepare on a small level these people for what will be a insane experience, something that won't make any sense, but where the only thing that might keep them alive is for them to work as a unit. You know, I, I use those words specifically because the slogan, like the tagline of the movie is to keep their sanity in an insane war. They had to be crazy. It doesn't necessarily reflect the tone of the movie entirely, but it, it certainly there is a feeling of nobody is at the wheel during this. And I think that is something that that. Uh, these characters who are portrayed as very sympathetic, even if some of them are sort of cartoonish, you know, you see that they, they put themselves out there at first, you know, they have certain optimism about things, but that optimism is completely demolished when they realize that, you know, they're risking their lives sometimes to bring alcohol and furniture to make generals more comfortable, or they're being told to attack something just to drive up body counts as opposed to any real, you know, military reason. So, I mean, it's something I really enjoyed, though I have to say, the, the, as I already kind of referred to earlier, that switch to being a focused on soccer in the, the, the final, um, you know, half hour, 45 minutes, and the way that that plays out, a very odd decision, very strange and very unexpected. And then it becomes sort of a metaphor as well, which, I, you know, it kind of works, but uh, it took me by surprise, to say the very least. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I, what I appreciated about that move, right, is that it took us away from hoping that they kill people. Yes. Because right? that's what you're really hoping, right? Because you want these characters, the ones that you like at least, not to die, which means you're hoping that they murder people. And this is the first task they're given 
for you to root for them where <laughs> the point is for them to just not have to do this shit anymore, uh, which is why it kind of left me. I, I mean, I, I wasn't sure how at first how I was supposed to feel about how that moment played out. Right. Because they simply can't let themselves lose. Yes. And I thought, fuck that. Like, fuck every part of that. But, you know, that's how the movie feels. The movie is sort of making that metaphor, like, that America, even knowing they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, just can't handle admitting that they that they should just lose and, and move on with their lives. That they, they're going to stay committed to this thing, even though they're well aware it's a fucking wasted effort. Uh, and I, I kind of like that as a metaphor. I got to say, I think it's a bit unfair. I think there really were a bunch of psychopaths who thought we were doing something good over there. Absolutely. Who, who hadn't given up. And that's a real bummer to know, but I think it's true. So like the idea that like, no, it's our pride that forced us to make all these bad decisions. I think that's kind of fucked actually, but it works narratively for the film. I think there's something going on there. It works and doesn't work because again, the people that they're fighting on the soccer field are their allies. They're the Vietnamese, you know? And that isn't the real issue that I have with this movie overall is that aside from the fact that Craig Watson, his character develops a relationship with a Vietnamese woman and her child. We never hear speak in any way. We never hear speak. The Vietnamese are either portrayed as a non-entity. Uh, I'm talking about the Southern Vietnamese, but like the, the, as a non-entity or as someone that they're working against and that like that's to me that that's very confusing and it makes things and i mean at the end just to explain what goes on with the soccer game so what we what we discover is i guess they're really good soccer players that's another thing it's like i don't know why they happen to be so good oh because the captain's been drilling them since before they got in country because yeah. he's he's convinced that learning soccer will help them be better at fighting in the jungle, which seems like a psychotic thing, and it never really plays out that way. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's it, it's no more or less strange than Robert Duvall's obsession with surfing in Apocalypse Now. So, I mean, it, you know, it's fair enough. But their their soccer practice has made them so good as a team that they're able to play against the Vietnamese national team. And what they realize is that if they play them and win, at least this is what their theory is, then they can just then tour around the world as like the American national team and that they will be taking out of combat. They won't have to fight in the Vietnam War anymore. And I mean, I, I mean, it's ridiculous to think about, but maybe it is, is reflective of some sort of reality. So then they get into the game because of the body count that they, they, they racked up, I guess. They get into the game and then they are told during the game that they have to lose on purpose. They basically have to be the Washington generals because it is more inspiring, I guess, for the Vietnamese people for the Vietnam team to win. Now we are told right from the beginning that the American team can win very easily, that there's like, th that they're way, way better. And they are faced with this having to lose on purpose. And, um, and they don't, they refuse to do it on purpose. And we find out in text at the end that a lot of them died. And in fact, at, right after the game, it, they all get attacked anyway uh, at the stadium. And a lot of people die anyway. This decision, I think, is supposed to be seen as a morally upstanding decision. Like, that is the thing that they should have done. What did you think of that decision, Liam? See, this is what I'm saying. If yeah. the movie is suggesting that this was a morally upstanding decision, right? Right. And that uh, though it is tragic, what else could we expect them to do? 
then uh, quite honestly, Doug, fuck this movie. There's nothing morally <laughs> upstanding about this decision whatsoever. Uh, I actually think, Doug, the movie doesn't think that, that the movie sure. presents it that way, but in the end wants you to think, well, I don't know. I think they should have just lost. And then for you to go, oh, I get it. We should have just realized that about the fucking Vietnam War and just left that and that this is all a metaphor for the war itself. Um, and in that sense, I get that it works narratively on an emotional level. When they start to make the decision, there's a lot of big boy emotions on display that I found. Like at that moment, Doug, this could have been a surrealist present nothing about that is real to me nothing the moon the the in a film that pushes the bounds of credulity it was the first moment where i thought <laughs> no these aren't real people we've we've left real characters behind yeah. and now these are jokes we've made this into a joke movie but i think um in the end if, if for whatever reason if if he really thinks this is some sort of way into the psychology of the war, then I, I actually don't think it's a bad decision. I think it's, it demonstrates what he says. On, I on, think I think you're right. I think it's it's not a bad decision, and I actually think you're right that it's meant to be morally ambiguous to a certain extent. Yeah. But this movie definitely wants to have its cake and eat it too, because yes. when they make that decision, they want the audience to go, "Yeah, you go in and kick their ass," and and you know you even see the reaction of some of the American soldier higher ups yeah. who are like, "Yeah, go for it," you know, even though they. They know that these boys are not supposed to uh, to win. Them doing it makes them feel very good, and it's supposed to be kind of a rah rah moment. But yeah, I do think that that there's like cold water thrown on it afterwards. Well, okay, but this is the thing, Doug. There, this is one of the theories of Vietnam that the problem with yeah. Vietnam wasn't just that we weren't supposed to be there in the first place, but that we weren't willing to fully fight the war. That we were that we were fighting a half war, and I know a ton of people who feel this way. That the 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 crime of Vietnam was our unwillingness to engage in a full conflict, and if we had engaged in a full conflict, we would have won the war, even if maybe the war wasn't moral in the first place. And right, for right. me, I'm way less concerned with that aspect. I think it's a I think it's a reflection of a lot of issues at the time, but the idea that the problem with Vietnam was our unwillingness to fight it is. Uh, how do I want to put this? Fucked. It's yeah. fucked, Doug. Mm -hmm. And I don't buy it. And so the fact that the movie I think is directly referencing this is, again, I think it narratively makes sense. And as a movie, I'm actually okay with it because I think it's his moment to make his big point. But on a personal level, I couldn't disagree more. And I think you're right. In the end, um, it just ends up. I think sullying a movie that I think otherwise works. Now I will say the people who are who do cheer for them, Doug, are the people who are already on their side. The yeah. generals who have made the call are pissed. They are yeah, fucking pissed. pissed. Right, right. And I think that's also the point that the generals are untrustworthy. That the military leadership is who failed, and you know, and they failed J Joe Q public, and they failed the Vietnamese, and blah 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 blah. As if the point of the Vietnam War is to say we should have fought harder for the South Vietnamese. Again, if you want us to feel that way, maybe having even one endearing Vietnamese character might have yeah. helped. Mm -hmm. But there is literally no... The only Vietnamese characters we know, we get to know at all, are fucking monsters. Yeah. And every other Vietnamese person, not just uh, the enemy, but That's our right. allies yeah. don't exist. But I would also say, also of the enemy, right? Like... It's not that we get a demonized enemy, you know, some sort of like monster in the jungle. The enemy are hats. 
Yep. We get to that's see exactly. hats. And like that's also, I think, a way to make them less important. Because what this person wants to focus on is the conflict within us. That what matters about Vietnam is how hard it was for us. Well, I, there, too many dead Vietnamese people for me to focus only on how we felt about it, Doug. And so, like, again, I don't think it makes the movie itself a failure, other than the fact that if the movie wanted to make an impact on me, it failed. But as a movie that's making a point, I think it actually does the work to do that. Sure. It's just in making that point, a movie that I think is trying not to be propaganda is just a different kind of propaganda because yeah. it, it ignores a lot of things to make this one point that I think is not a salient point. It's not that interesting. But again, uh, this is 1978. So I wonder if this is the most point you can make. I mean, how many people saw this movie and were fucking bummed just on the idea that that the generals were assholes? Like, compared to other Viet Vietnam movies, this is actually not that bad, right? Like, it's not as demeaning of a portrayal as we might get in some other movies, right? You but mean, I like wonder the Dare, the Dare Hunter, which came out the same year. Yeah. As well, but that's what I'm saying, though, right? Is when they're you're making the boys of Company C, you probably have no idea how fucked up the Deer Hunter's gonna be. Yeah, yeah. So you probably think you're fucking put. I I think the people who made this movie thought they were really doing something. Yeah. And yeah. I think now in retrospect, I'm like, yeah. I mean, I think you did. To be fair, they did something, but other people did a lot fucking more, man. Like yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, I also want to point out the other thing that's utterly dehumanizing. You know, we've got this character, right? who I think we both kind of loved in Washington, or at least not the character itself per necessarily, but the performance by Stan Shaw. Yeah, yeah. But the basis of this character is a fucked racial stereotype, which is yes. like Stan Shaw plays Tyrone Washington, a drug dealer from the city, right? Yep. And because he's a drug dealer from the city, he's real fucking good at war, guys. He fucking kills at war. He's like the only guy who's naturally good at war. And I just think, I'm not saying that never happened, but the way that they do that is based on some real weird stereotypes that I just think in 2022, I think a lot of younger people watching this movie would go, what the fuck is happening right now? Yeah. Because it yeah, doesn't yeah. make sense. There's no effort. The movie assumes they don't have to tell you why he's good at this. You just think he is. Well, that doesn't work. It, it it certainly doesn't work because guess what? A lot of people were sent to Vietnam from cities and they died. So yeah. this idea that like, oh, well, he's just good at it because he's from the city is like, I just think fucked. It, it doesn't, again, it doesn't ruin the movie, but I think it's it's a bummer, especially when he's like, not the hero of the film, but he's really one of the best people in the film. And it kind of sullies his character a little bit. I mean, I think he's as close to a hero that exists in this movie. Uh, and certainly he's the character that we're most supposed to be following the evolution of. I do have to say my favorite moment for him in the whole movie is the part where they are all, when the soldiers are first starting basic training and they're uh, giving all of their possessions away, basically. And he pulls out the butterfly knife. And Arlie Ermey freaks out. Uh, and apparently that was a real moment. He didn't know that he was going to pull out that knife. And <laughs> the reactions seem very real in that moment. Uh, uh, but it just still plays into those stereotypes, right? That idea that he is streetwise. And he is, he, because he's from the street, he knows how to fight. And he knows how to take care of himself. And, I mean, there are probably are legitimate elements to that. But this movie plays them up very large. They do try to push back against some of the racism. Oh, yes, he, yes, yes, yes. That his character, you know, in real life would have experienced. Uh, but they also use that as a motivating factor yep. uh, and and in kind of an unpleasant way. 
And there's a lot of language thrown around that's really unpleasant to listen to, which is also probably very reflective of reality. But I think what you were going, what you were saying just a few moments ago is exactly right. When they're making this, I mean, and also remember that this is a Canadian director making this, which I think is important, right? This is supposed to be someone who has more of an outside perspective, which isn't to suggest that there were no Canadians who fought in the Vietnam War, but certainly it's a different perspective. And he, they were, they must have thought they were making the most hard hitting view of what Vietnam was right that they were the ones who were telling this story it's just it happens to be that the deer hunter came out in 1978 and apocalypse now came out in 1979 and when you see those two movies the horrors on display in the boys and company see and there's a lot of them they seem a little um they seem a little diffused because because those other productions had so much more um resources available to them this is still yeah, yeah. a comparatively low budget movie right yeah well and also the these characters are not psychotic like yes. uh, apocalypse now features some people who've really gone in a different direction and, and <laughs> this movie is a little bit more focused on uh a more um let's call it immoral incompetence it's not just that they're bad at this but it's also that they're not moral enough to know that the the way that they're bad at this is 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 objectionable, right? There's a level of incompetence that comes from not caring enough about other people. And I think this movie really exemplifies that. You know, this isn't just a casual, oh no, I'll, I was, this task was beyond me. It's, uh, I don't care that this task is beyond me. I'm convinced I'm doing this right. And I'm just going right. to keep going with the same ideas. Um, we've talked about it a little bit, but I want to focus specifically on the idea of this as an ensemble cast. As we said, Stan Shaw sticks out. But he's not the star, the one star of the movie, right? There's a lot of mm -hmm. people we're meant to care about here. I'm wondering how you felt about this. You kind of suggested earlier that maybe as a larger group, this doesn't always work. Uh, so I wanted to get some more specifics from you. Do you think this is a cool ensemble cast? What other actors' performances did you think stand out? Or were there a lot of people who you felt kind of didn't um, really, really hit as their own characters? I mean, I think the Craig Wasson character stands out because he is a objector to the war and he is supposed to reflect a certain attitude towards it. There's a kind of notable scene where, you know, he does not want to kill people. So he goes into communications and then he when he is asked to call in a strike on a position, he refuses to do it and ends up actually as a response to that being sent to a location which is meant to basically be a suicide mission um a place where the the soldiers are just continuously being murdered uh and and it ends up being actually the best thing for him where he he ends up <laughs> forming a relationship with a vietnamese woman and then what happens is during the soccer game she ends up getting killed and then he well we'll talk about that when we talk about vic diaz so he has a lot of things that happens to him but he still feels to me sort of like a cliche and a lot of the characters feel like that to, to me particularly Vinny fazio who is supposed to be like this Italian-American who only cares about getting laid when he's out there and getting out of there. And he's, even though they do try to give him some dimension in terms of his friendship with, I think it's Al. Is it, it's Al Foster. Yeah. So the, yeah. the, the, the guy who's like writing the diary. Yeah. It's strange because you would think Al Foster would be the main character because he's the one narrating the whole thing, but he really does take a back seat and actually gets taken out of commission for a while when he gets shot uh, earlier in the film. But that that relationship is supposed to be, I think, very sweet, and we're supposed to, you know, really connect with the two. But I do think that the Fazio character was just a little too cartoonish for that to work. Though all of that said, his reaction to uh, Alvin's death at the end, where he just can't stop crying, 
I, that actually hit me pretty hard. Just because maybe the character at that point had been not showing many emotions, the fact that he just completely broke down afterwards. I mean, it 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 it, it had a note of realism in a movie that sometimes moved away from that a lot. Well, I I think that's one of the aspects of the movie that's really interesting. There are choices that feel really rooted in reality that this is probably based on you know stories and testimony from people who were there and while it's not a quote-unquote true story there are parts that just feel like i'm sure that fucking happened you know what i mean like it it feels very reflective and then there are choices where you're like come on you know like what come on like (laughs) and, and granted i'm no expert necessarily on the vietnam war but it just feels like there are moments that really push the levels of credulity. Uh, I agree with you uh, overall. I, I the, the bummer for me is, in fact, Alvin, right? Like, yeah. he's there are a number of characters that we meet at first that kind of fade. And Alvin, we're with, he's with us almost the whole time until the sort of chaotic end of the movie. And uh, I really wanted more from that actor and that character. But other than being quote-unquote a writer and apparently uninterested in sex there's nothing about him he just doesn't exist in the way that some of the other characters do uh i will agree that the the guy who looks like bill maher uh is he's playing a caricature there's a there's a sentence in which we want to represent the hippies who were sent to the war and he sort of that um i will say there are a few moments though that are fun like when he blows up the general's trailer that i thought like okay this is a good use whatever but a lot of times yeah he there's not much human there it's more like this is what a hippie would do whereas whereas (laughs) i i suspect that maybe there's a way in which stan shaw's portrayal of of washington could also though that's like the one of the characters we spend the most time with could also have fallen into caricature but it doesn't maybe because of his performance i don't know yeah Yeah. i think his performance carries a lot of that yeah i mean basically you know there's a part in that this movie where Washington is so pissed about the fact that they, the, what basically they're continuously being sent to just be killed for no reasons, just to drive a body count, that he tries to frag his own commander. Yep. And he like pulls the gun around and is just ready to shoot him. And it's just the other, uh, his other commanding officer who, who stops it from happening. But like his commander knows that he is trying to kill him after that and basically stays out of his way. That's just like, I don't know how often that sort of thing happened in Vietnam, but certainly a lot of movies about Vietnam tangled with that same sort of idea. Well, I think that the the theme in v, in a lot of these movies when it comes to Vietnam is the idea that – and they don't play it up as much as this guy, but that in Vietnam, you had a certain number of officers who – were uh, privileged people who went to school but had never been in a firefight. Right, right. And now right. they're suddenly in charge of men. And in this case, these are all relatively new to combat types. Washington is just particularly good at this. But one of the the the, the themes that comes up a lot in these movies is uh, a new officer who's never been in Vietnam before with a bunch of soldiers who've been there for a couple years, you yeah. know? And he doesn't know how to, like, command their respect at all because mm-hmm. they don't respect him for obvious reasons. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, uh, you know, we, we've suggested that in a lot of ways this movie is not as hard-hitting as other contemporary sort of uh, maybe not all contemporary but uh, other vietnam movies that we might compare it to it's still also very cynical in a way did you find that this movie was too cynical sufficiently cynical uh not cynical enough like how did you feel about the 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 overall tone of the film uh for you as a viewer 
I mean, I think when it comes to all war movies, they can never be too cynical for me. Yes, I agree. Uh, so to, to me, it's like it goes pretty far in it because it really does portray the the fact that these these men are victims, right? They're victims of the people who have the power to send them places, to tell them to do things, things that don't make sense. And when they try to to argue against those decisions, they're told that they can't, they can't. So the only thing they can do is just make decisions to best protect themselves, which is, again, why the the soccer game kind of rings a little hollow for me, because it's just like this whole movie is about them trying just to survive in a time when people are are intentionally or unintentionally just trying to get them killed at all times. And when they finally have the ability to make that decision for themselves, that all they have to do is, you know, take a little hit to their pride and <laughs> they they could all just live for the rest of it, just going around to different countries and losing I mean, I get it as the metaphor, but in terms of the characters, it feels like that's a really that's a hard thing for us to swallow as viewers. And I know that that even contemporarily, people would be like, "Well, it would be cowardly to uh, to lose those fights." But it's like you, you know, the 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 text at the end, even though this is not these are not real people that that are uh, evoking real situations that they experience. Though this movie does kind of blend that line a little bit. I wonder a little bit how we're supposed to take that text because their decision to go with their pride ends up basically only one of the characters gets out and is able to live their lives. Everyone else is either killed or put in hospitals. And uh, it's just a, maybe the cynicism of all of it, it kind of boils over to how the movie ends as well. It just makes it hard then to have the structure of a regular movie where by the last act, you're supposed to go, yeah, and this is a movie that tries to do that. And then also, as I said before, just throws a bunch of cold water at it and say, oh, no, 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 that that minor victory wasn't even a victory at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I I go back and forth. I think I think actually it works for the point it's trying to make in a lot of right. ways. But I do think you're right. Like, is this really the choice that Washington would make? Right. Right. If anything, I'm supposed to believe in his survival sense, right? That he wants to survive, right? And I kind of want to believe that about the other characters too. And yet, it doesn't seem like that's who they are now in this in this moment. I also wonder if part of the issue here is that there would have been more people in 1978 watching this who would actually identify with this decision and then might be hit even harder by the tragic nature of it at the right. end, right? right like right, they right. would be, you know, a lot of films will uh, implicate their audience, right? That they would make you complicit in the decisions of the people. Maybe there is a, a, a viewer from 1978 who gets hit hard by this shit because they're like, yeah, man, I wouldn't want to lose either. Fuck all that. And then at the end, they're like, oh, wait, maybe they should have lost. Maybe that was a bad decision. And they'll be. But for me, utter alienation. Like the moment they are like, I don't know, I think we should win. I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And, and and I think I can detach myself enough to understand why this decision probably made sense to people to some extent. But like for the most part, it's an insane moment to me that feels very poorly thought out, even if I guess I kind of understand how they got there. But yeah, I, I, I got to say, like, part of it feels very cynical to me about the nature of uh, humans, really, and what they're about in the world. And yet it pulls its punches in so many places compared to other 
Vietnam movies. Um, I, don't I think know. because of the, I think because it's so focused on camaraderie, right? Yes, exactly. That, that, I mean, the whole point of that basic training is to make them a unit. And what you discover at the end is that even though they have a lot of difficulties and um, and internal strife, that they really love each other, and that love means that they can pull together. But what we find out is that pulling together actually works against their ability to survive. Yeah, right. Yeah. They pull together so much that they they do the thing that gets them killed. And I mean, that's that's a weird message to take away from it. I, I agree. I, I I don't know how people are supposed to think about this. I don't know. Um, for me, I like I said, I have a complicated relationship with with Vietnam movies in general. Um, so I don't know where to place this. You know, if if you're someone listening who loves movies about Vietnam and for whatever reason you haven't caught this, I don't know that it's a waste of your time. But I but I will say, compared to some other movies, it's not as artful, right? This is more of a straightforward narrative, you know. Yeah. Whereas some Vietnam movies really spill into some aesthetic territories that were kind of groundbreaking for their times, right? Yeah. And really push the envelope. And that is not this. On the other hand, if you're someone who likes the idea of a darker but not entirely cynical sort of ensemble war movie, this might work for you. And there are a lot of moments I think we both felt, Doug, were very well done. And I mean, again, it feels weird to say for a movie like this, we're entertaining. Yeah. Um, but I just don't know. For people who watch Vietnam movies for some sort of ideological fulfillment, I, I I feel like if for you your favorite you know Vietnam movies are Apocalypse Now or even Platoon, this movie just doesn't hit like that at all. So yeah. for me, those movies are all cool, but not ones that I return to a lot. So the fact that this movie doesn't st- uh, match up to them doesn't mean a ton to me because those aren't movies that I care about in a deep way. I just appreciate them in a more detached sense. Sure. Yeah. And, and actually just going back, if your tastes lean closer to Robert Altman's mash, then maybe you might find something to enjoy here as well, but it also isn't anything close to as good as that movie. So it's all, you know, in the script, right? The script doesn't, even come close i don't think to that it's what what, specifically the dialogue is not it's it's cool it's fine but it's not like mash at all i don't think yeah and and it doesn't it doesn't give us the same depth of characters outside of maybe tyrone washington and even that character it's more the performance i think than the writing that that makes that work yeah well, uh, we we got to get around to the to the Vic Diaz in the room <laughs> and talk about our man Vic Diaz, who it, you know really does play uh, the most identifiable villain in the movie because oh, yeah. the, because the <laughs> enemy we never see. So clearly, between him and the into- incompetent captain, he seems a lot worse. What did you think of Vic Diaz's performance in this movie? I mean, it's. You know how often we've seen Vic Diaz play like a slimy, scummy military guy in these movies that we've been watching for this podcast? This might be the apex of that. He has zero redeeming qualities. Uh, He not only doesn't care about the well-being of the soldiers, he is explicitly trying to help smuggle heroin into the United States for drug pushing. (laughs) Uh, At the end, he... Hides behind innocent people. He surrounds himself with innocent people so they can be killed instead of him. He ends up getting shot in the back by Craig Watson's character because he was responsible for the death of his uh, the the woman that he has fallen in love with and their uh, and his daughter. Well, the daughter I think survived, but uh, but yeah. So uh, all in all, a perfect Vic Diaz performance <laughs> because he 
we know right from the beginning that he's a scumbag. He leans heavily into his scumbaggedness. Uh, he is once again playing a nationality that is not his, his own. Uh, but he's great. I was very worried when watching it that there's that one scene where, you know, at the very beginning, Washington is set up that he is going to uh, be opportunistic about going to Vietnam, where he's going to try to set up these drug deals while he's there. One of the evolutions of his character is that later he decides that, like, that is not what he wants to be. So he he connects with General, sorry, Colonel Trang and refuses. He basically says that they're talking about somebody else. And I thought at first that would be the only Vic Diaz appearance in this. But no, they bring him back at the end to be the ultimate scumbag. And I'll tell you, if if Vic Diaz's career is reflective of nothing else, it's that he was excellent at pay- playing the worst of humanity. Yeah, I it it's also um, it's a devious performance that manages, I think, not to lean too hard on our on uh, on American audiences is. Uh, uh, racial biases too much, sure. right? Mm-hmm. He's just a bad dude, and it, it, you know, he doesn't have to fulfill any sort of weird stereotypes that kind of came out of this war. I do wish we had seen one positive portrayal. Of well, that's what I'm saying. That I was about yeah, to yeah. make the same yeah, exact yeah, yeah. point, Doug. If he was balanced with someone that we cared about, then I would love the performance even more. It's just hard that like. Only the bad Vietnamese characters get to be people. That's just not a cool look. Now, granted, I I appreciate his performance, and it's nothing against him. And honestly, it's one of the things about this show that is um, maybe a little sad, which is like that um, he so often has to play a kind of character that maybe we would feel bad about now. But sure. uh, but that's nothing against his talent. He is only on screen a few moments, and all those moments matter. He's never there, and you're like, oh, look, Vic Diaz is in the background and irrelevant to what's happening. Um, even the, the way, you know, I'm sure it was someone else's decision for him to have the giant pinky fingernail, but, <laughs> yeah. but the way he's tapping it in the shot, it's like, Man, Vic Diaz is so good at this. And in fact, you really get a feeling that he can present as not utterly dastardly, but we kind of know that he's also dastardly, you know? That Mm -hmm. combo is very much him. You know, he knows how to walk a line, but he can show how just utterly debased he is. It's it's great. It's just, uh, you know, it's hard because the movie doesn't care enough about Vietnam or Vietnamese people to be like, oh, this other person also has a name and is worth caring about, but they're not a monster. That's just, the movie doesn't care about that. Again, I think because, uh, uh, you know, essentially, and this could maybe not be the director, maybe it's the script, but, well, he co-wrote the script, so I guess it's his fault either way. The movie is essentially interested with the internal conflict in the United States. And even though the whole, you know, most of the movie takes place in Vietnam, it's not really about Vietnam. It's about us. It's about yeah. the United States. And so I there are get... a couple of scenes which which show Vietnamese like sure yes population as being victims to the violence that's all around yep. them. But yep. but you're exactly right. Yeah, and and even for every time we see a village where we might think like oh they seem like people who deserve to have lives, uh, we then see. Uh, you know, uh, Vietnamese women being sexualized or uh, men who are untrustworthy or whatever it is. Right. And so I, I just uh, I wish the movie cared a little bit more about being like, oh, also, these were real human beings that we right. destroyed their country. Like and they're still digging up explosives we left there today. Yep. So, you know, maybe we should worry about them, too. And, I, you know, it doesn't do that. But again, on the scale of Vietnam movies. 
I mean, come on, a lot of them don't do that. So I, I don't know that the, the, the bar was that is that high in the first place. But anyway. OK, well, hey, you know, uh, I got I got to say, if you it, we've definitely covered Vic Diaz movies where we've said, unless you are obsessed with watching every Vic Diaz movie, don't watch this movie. I think this is worth seeing if you're a fan of his performances and you're someone for whom uh, a Vietnam movie sounds like it might be something you would enjoy. I think this is worth watching. I definitely think um it, it doesn't it, it isn't entirely successful, but, you know, compared to some of the other movies we've been covering, Doug, it was kind of a breath of fresh air. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if nothing else, the production values are a lot higher than a lot of the movies we have been watching. The fact that it's it's treading some different territory. It's yep. not it's not. I mean, even though there are exploitative elements, this is not an exploitation movie. It's a movie that's meant to be taken somewhat seriously, even if there's a lot of wild stuff that you see in it. Yeah, it, it was a breath of fresh air. So now that we've experienced that breath of fresh air, let us pollute that air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On our next episode, we're going back to the to the goop. We're going back to the the uh, real the real grindhouse shit with Beast of the Yellow Knight, a name that I assume is probably racist at some level uh, from 1971. Uh, featuring our man Vic Diaz as Satan, as the man, as old Nick, the man himself, the, the reason for the season, so to speak, you know, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, excited, uh, you know, a bit trepidatious uh, about it too, but mostly excited because this is a movie that I knew about before we even started this, this podcast, but I've never seen. So I'm yeah. excited to check it out. Uh, Doug, if people want to hear more uh, about our adventures through the filmography of Vic Diaz or uh, other things about us, where, where should they check out? Uh, check us out. Well, the latest episode of Cinema Smorgasbord is always available on Cinepunks.com or on social media under the name Cinepunks. You can also find lots of other wonderful podcasts and writing over at Cinepunks.com. Uh, but if you want to check out our entire archive of whatever happened to Vic Diaz, you can go over to Cinemasmorgasbord.com. That's also where all of our podcasts under the Cinema Smorgasbord umbrella live, including ones to Paul Bartel, Dick Miller, Alejandro Jodorowsky, Steve Buscemi, Carol Kane, Jackie Chan, and many more over at Cinemasmorgasbord.com or on Twitter at Cinemasmorg. That's S-M-O-R-G. You can also follow Liam on Twitter at Liam Rules. That's R-U-L-Z. And I'm on there as well at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. Thanks, Doug. And thanks to all of you for listening. We appreciate the support. Uh, we'd love it if you wanted to uh, tell your friends about this show or any of the, the variety of shows we do here at Cinema Smorgasbord. And of course, the whole Cinepunks family has a Discord that we'd love for you to join. Go ahead and shoot us an email or message us on social media, and we'll get you that link ASAP. Uh, until next time, though, uh, take care and have a great night. Sam, I'm in Vietnam It's a jungle, it's a prison But here I am Dreaming of the outside It is a patriotic duty of every man in this battalion to participate in a savings bond program. It cost only six dollars Far away from this no one ship bay in the southeast tip of Asia, where I lay, dreaming of the outside and freedom, I'm planning my getaway. But there's a guard on the inside.